As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Get In Podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude, brought to you by EagleInsider.com and Armchair Media, Season 4, Virginia Tech Week. The Eagles clawed their way to a massive victory in Chestnut Hill on Saturday night, taking down the Pitt Panthers by a score of 31-30 to and an overtime thriller. BC improves to 3-1 on the year, 2-1 in conference, and currently sits in a tie for fifth place in the ACC standings. On today's episode, we'll recap a wild Saturday night, bring back a special edition of Halfleas Corpus, and preview the upcoming showdown versus the Hokies under the lights in Blacksburg this weekend. Matt, it's hard to not feel really good about this team, that game, and and really the direction of the program after what we saw on Saturday night. You got to feel for Pitt fans right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That was one of the most BC losses, you know, of all time. Uh, with the miraculous, you know, comeback field goal, and, and then obviously the missed extra point. I should say one of the most historical BC losses of all time because clearly time, things have changed on the heights. The turnaround that Jeff Halfley has made, not only in in what we're seeing on the field, but just the way that we're winning games, you know, is really is really quite special. And I think we we clearly all know at this point that we you know have a winner on our hands. Big show today. Before we get into all of it, quick word from our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. Matt, the wait is finally over. Another triple header of fun is upon us this week. The NFL is in full effect. College football is in full effect. We've got many teams strutting their stuff early, and we also have the MLB playoffs in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Matt, again, let's just get right into it. It was one of the more stress-inducing at the time, but in hindsight, one of the more fun Saturdays, you know, we've had watching this team in a a long time. And, you know, frankly, I think you could go back through our previous 10 coaching regimes. And if you play that game under those circumstances, I don't think we win any of them. So to, to pull that game out the way we did... The, the half magic is just real, and I don't know what else you can really say at this point. Yeah, no question. I think, and everyone said this, but I think we lose this game 10 times out of 10. Under my boy Steve Adazio, there's no question. There's something different about this team under Halfley. we got a different juice. Uh, like you said, if there are any Pitt fans listening, you know, we feel your pain. That That's an ugly way to lose. We've been there, you know, the number of times, and you go all the way back to the Duke game when we were, what, sophomores? And then, you know, to, to Penn State in 2014, obviously, the, and then the entire Daz era, we 
or what, 30% from, from you know, extra point. That sounds general, about right, yep. So we feel you guys' pain, but with that said, we're turning a new leaf over, we're moving on, and uh, we can't lose right now. So um, let's that, with that, let's get into the game a little bit. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game to start out. We get the ball after we stop them on, on five or six plays. Jericho puts a nice 12-play, 86-yard drive together. Uh, we hit a couple big plays to Hunter Long and C.J. Lewis, and the Eagles get a field goal. We're up 3 nothing. Pitt gets the ball. Our D forces a big stop, except not so fast. We jump off sides on a fourth and eight at midfield. Pitt goes for it, gets it, drives down the field for a touchdown. From there, it was, uh, uh, you know, surprising to me, it was an offensive game. The offense, you know, trade scores. Jericho found Zay for that big play uh, in single coverage for a 44-yard TD. Pickett fires back. with There was a couple of questionable pass interference calls. They get into the red zone. That sets up that halfback screen for six points. And then Jericho caps off a methodical 13-play, 75-yard drive with that grown man quarterback sneak on fourth and goal. And the Eagles going to half, up 17-14. to 14. Matt, what were your halftime thoughts? I, I think, you know, at least I was expecting a low-scoring kind of a dogfight. And the first half lived up to the hype from, from that standpoint, but a lot more offense than I uh, originally anticipated. I'll tell you what. Matt, I'll tell you what. It, it was hard, I, don't, I think, to not feel good about where we were when we came into halftime. Uh, really with the reason being... It's more like halftime, Matt. Matt, it is, it, is, it is more like halftime. And I think that's you know a, a really salient point with what we've seen out of this head coach <laughs> in the first three games so far. Every game, we have been a different team in the second half. We've been a little slow to start. So to come in only down, we were down three at the half. We'd up scored three. last. We were getting, oh, I'm sorry, up three at the half. Uh, we were getting the ball back to, to start the second half. And I, and I think, you know, if you put us in that position against a team that, you know, at, at, at minimum we're, we're peers with, if not, you know, better than, uh, that's a game that we're going to end up winning, you know, 99% of the time, which, which fortunately for us proved, proved to be true. But again, it's a different feeling this year. And I know we keep harping on it, but to be in these positions where we, feel confident and we feel like we're going to win games, even if things aren't going our way or if, or if we're in a dogfight versus before we needed, you know, as much of a cushion as we possibly could have, because we knew at all times that, the, you know, someone was going to storm back against us in the third and fourth quarter. So not only just changing the way that we're seeing things on the field, but, but halfway has just changed the culture and the mindset of our fan base, which is pretty remarkable only four games in. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I don't know if you recall, but I, I had prognosticated a, a final score of 18, 13. Yep. And so, the 17 to 14 uh, first half was already there points wise. I did think with that said, I, I did think the D was playing pretty well. Yeah, they shot themselves in the foot a couple times with penalties. And obviously that offsides that prolonged what became that touchdown drive for Pitt was a killer. But otherwise, I thought that front seven was really attacking and making pick and pick it uncomfortable. While the D backs did a really good job keeping everything in front of them. Offensively, it was kind of ugly, right? A lot of negative plays on first and second down and then Jericho just makes it happen on third and long. I think he prefers third and long to any other down. Um, and, you know, we, we keep saying, how sustainable is this? But we're four games in and it's working, so so maybe it is. So the Eagles start the second half with a bang as, as Pitt inexplicably lets Zay Flowers get loose again, one-on-one downfield. BC takes a 24-14 to lead uh, on the second play of the half, and we are feeling good in the Adirondacks, folks. Unfortunately, that would be the last points that the Eagles would put up in the game, uh, at least in regulation. And so Pitt... Pitt gets back into it. They uh, they score one more time to cut the lead to 24-21 to late in the third. Uh, we have a DeBerry interception in the Pitt red zone, followed by an immediate Jericho strip sack at the start of the fourth. You know, obviously a big mister, missed opportunity there, but, but I guess no harm, no foul. Fast-forwarding midway through the fourth, Pitt gets the ball at BC's 45. The defense forces a ginormous turnover on downs, uh, and, and 
the Eagles get the ball back. I'm thinking it's game over. Let's just move the sticks a few times and we can we can call it a day. Instead, we go three and out. Pitt drives down the field and hits a 58 freaking yard field goal to force overtime. Well, by the way, you're, you're neglecting the fact that we had the what 15 yard sack on on third down there mm-hmm. to, to to make it 58 yarders. Yeah. They were comfortably in this guy's range at you know 40 or whatever. Uh, that was one of the all time back breaking moments. You, you know, that you could possibly even think up because we were on cloud nine when he had that sack. We thought the game was over. And then for him to, you know, just just nail it. Like it was it wasn't even a question of it hooked in. It was from the jump. It had enough distance from like 80. It looked like um, that that was really painful. And frankly, the exact opposite of how I think we felt approaching the end of last week's game where we said, you know, if we could have converted that two point conversion, I think everyone in the world would have felt really good about our chances in overtime. The way we were playing, the way we were moving the ball, the way our defense had had shut down Pitt's offense for, or I'm sorry, UNC's offense for basically the entire second half. Mm-hmm. It was the exact opposite last Saturday. I thought for sure once it went through, the way our, you know, how anemic our offense really looked in the second half. They, you know, our off- our defense was really strong for the third quarter, but they started to, you know, get some things moving. Uh, Pitt did in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and just with the momentum, you know, on its own, I thought that we were in big, big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so not to spoil, you know, the, the the rest of the game recap that you're going to go through here. But let me just say I ended the night much happier than I expected I would have like 15 <laughs> minutes prior. Yeah, hopefully we're not spoiling anything at this point. I'm, I'm sure most of you guys have seen the game. But it's an important point, Matt. And I was saving that for my dude of the week, Max Richardson, because if he didn't nail that 58 yarder, that sack would go down in BC lore as one game of the, winning, right? know, one of the top game winning defensive plays, you know, in recent history, right? Um, instead, it's right it's up there just, with the with the Keekly strip fumble in overtime against Wake Forest parents weekend of, I believe, our sophomore year. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, that's a throwback. huh? Yeah, a little bit. Huh? Uh, yeah. And, and instead, you know, obviously they, they hit the, the 58 yarder, they force overtime. And then so we get the ball first in OT. We do absolutely nothing on first and second down. And then Jerko does what he does on third and 10. Finds Zay for his third touchdown of the game in the back of the end zone. Pitt gets the ball that they sort of have an adventure of a possession. They convert twice on fourth down. I think it was like a 12-play drive or something ridiculous like that, which you don't often see, uh, you know, in overtime from the 25. Um, They finally find the end zone. And then the same Alex Kessman that made the 58-yarder misses the extra point. And the Eagles walk off with an improbable victory, folks. So apparently that's kind of his thing I've heard, at least, you know, kind of looking at at, at – Reddit CFB and and other pit Twitter that it sounds like they were in no way shape or form surprised that he you know bombed a sixty yarder and then and then missed the extra point so again just really want to reiterate how empathetic we are towards Pitt fans because I can put ourselves one hundred percent in their shoes we literally lived this a hundred times in these Spaz and Adazio years so mm-hmm. uh, nowhere right there with you folks yeah it's funny I I liken the whole field goal kicking special teams in general to basketball where it's kind of like it's kind of a mental game right you get hot and then you're in the zone and then sometimes you can't hit the broad side of the barn and for me and this means nothing but I have a much better three like three point percentage from deep like Steph Curry land than I do in the mid-range because I'm expected to make the mid-range but no one like if I'm I'm playing with house money if I make who expects you not to not to catch up who expects you to make the mid-range just to be clear well Pete the people that are watching maybe okay I've been playing a lot of a lot of hoops down in Philly okay um, just on the streets and uh yeah it's you know so anyway so point being that's fine my mid-range game needs work and that's kind of the equivalent I feel like layups would be a better comparison 
But yeah, I can't really make those either. It's okay. <laughs> fair. But I'm lethal from downtown, is my point. So much like Kessman on the 58 yarders. All right, let's keep this moving. Well, real quick, just I do want to yeah. have one more note on that. Uh, yeah. Can you give a quick recap of your three point contest? So there was, I think, 2013, uh, Conti Forum held a big three point contest, and the winner got to like do a three point contest at halftime of, of a BC basketball game. Matt had been hyping himself up all week. He was like, this is the time I get to show my skills. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk just briefly about? Uh, what your what your final results were in the uh, power gym kind of satellite contest? Well, you know what had happened, Matt, was I, I had done a workout that day, so okay. my arms yep. were very sore. Um, so I don't remember. I probably hit half of them around nope. the, in that range, Just Matt. definitely not. What, okay. What's more important, I think no one's talking about, is back in, I think, eighth grade, I actually came in third place in a statewide three-point contest. So, wow. No um, one is a talking about that. a t-shirt to prove it. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty lethal from long range. I, I want to make sure that yeah, we, we that's known. Um, that I think we can, we can write that down. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's go back to football here, just briefly, sure. Matt, if we can. <laughs> um, what do you have on the half full, half empty side of the table? Yeah, so I, I think the 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 all all encompassing theme of this segment. I think the game itself was very half full and half empty. I think when you really look at it, this was far from a, a perfect game. Uh, we played incredibly sloppy. That's the half empty side, but we still won, which obviously mm-hmm. is half full. So I'm just going to run through a couple of of you know missed opportunities. You obviously talked about the the interception, the DeBerry interception, followed by the Jericho strip sack, and you know to make that even worse in terms of a, of a you know missed opportunity was I think the play before that Zay missed, you know, basically just dropped a wide open um, touchdown pass. Now I want to be very clear that we're not in any way being hard on Zay, because as we'll get to in a minute, he's like the best player offensive player we've maybe ever had, which is saying something, but um, a free seven points right there that ended up, you know, turning into nothing, a play later uh, settled for field goals early. You know, we talked about this last week, but that's kind of something that needs to change when we get in the red zone and we get especially, you know, inside of like five, you know, 15, 10 yards, that has to be seven. Like we just can't keep letting points on the board. We've kind of skated by so far. If we had some against UNC, I think that that's that's one that we that we win. But, you know, we can't kind of survive on that forever. But, you know, overall, again, despite these errors and despite the defense not looking great, you know, in the first half as much, we let Pickett get free a couple times to still be able to find a way to, to fight through and, and win that game. The, the, the glass could not be more half, half full. If we're just being honest, it's so impressive. The, you know, guts and the grit that these guys showed to kind of stick in this and keep fighting when everything really looked, looked poor. And it did for a lot of the night, um, or at least, you know, late in the evening, they gave up, you know, they had a 10 point lead that vanished for them to stick with this and, and fight through and get a win is so refreshing uh, as a fan of this program, and I don't know how, again, you can't walk away just feeling so happy about the direction and, and you know, optimistic about where this program is heading. Yeah, no question. And red zone, we'll talk about it. But, you know, when we go up against these high-scoring offenses, um, like we do next week and like we did a couple weeks ago against UNC, and, and half said this too, we just have to be better in the red zone. We're currently 8 out of 17 uh, when it comes to touchdown percentage. So that's not a math major, Matt, but that's less than half. Agreed. Um, so got to convert there. What I do think that means is we're a better team than what we're currently showing, right? That's kind of one of those random things, much like turnovers, that if you can clean those up, then yeah, you start to live up to your expectations or your potential a little bit. Um, so, you know, we'll twist that around. That's a positive. And, and by the way, man, and, and, and on that exact same note, I mean, if you want to talk about like the penalties as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like we gave them that first touchdown when we jumped on a fourth and eight and they went forward and converted. It's these little things and it's, 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 it's the mental mistakes. There's a couple yep. of false starts and a couple offsides. If we can clean those up and we can get a little bit more efficient in the red zone, not even, you know, that much more efficient. This is a, it, it already is a really good team. This is a very, very, very good team. 
Yeah, and, and Half said that too. He said, you know, it never should have come down to that extra point. We should have won that game by a couple possessions when you talk about the penalty, when you talk about the missed opportunities they left out there. And um, so I like that mindset. You know, it, it's it's he's, he's going to be hard on the guys that, that have, and he said this too, you know, I don't mind the physical penalties where we're being over aggressive on defense, but you know the mental lapses, and we're not going to name names, but uh, you just you can't go, you can't jump offsides there. No matter what you do, as long as you you know just just let's get the ball back and, and let's go back down the field. You know you're not going to block the unless punt. you're in an all out pump block, right? Like that's right. the only time where if it's we're, we're we're bringing you know 15 guys are coming at the ball at yeah. once. We brought in a couple coaches and we're and we're giving everything we got. Unless right. that's your game plan, you need to just sit back and relax. What what does it do to get you in there? You know potentially half a second earlier if you're not in you know really going for the pump block. Fair. And in his defense, Tate Haynes did have to come in later and made a huge play. Yeah. Um, I think it was a huge uh, PBU that was, you know, we really needed it. So, um, you know, he did make up for it. But, you know, we got to be smarter than that, obviously. We'll talk defense in a second, but I do just want to expound on your Jerko point. You know, specifically that fumble. I, I think it just is what it is between, you know, the, the turnovers and, and the sacks that he took. He took another four, I think, sacks it was. I think we just need to accept it at this point. Jerko, he's, he's going to take his time back there. He's going to dance around the pocket. He's going to take a bunch of huge hits. Maybe he's going to turn the ball over once or twice a game. But it's all worth it because when it comes together, when he has time and allows Zay or Hunter Long to get separation, you can't defend it. When it comes together, it's beautiful. So it, it's sort of like we can be mad at it and we can say get rid of the ball faster. But at the same time, you know, if he just gets a millisecond more, it turns into a game-changing play. So it's sort of... It's definitely a shift coming from, you know, A.B. used to lock on to one receiver, it seemed like, last year and would get rid of the ball quickly, even when he had time. This is sort of the opposite where, um, you know, Jerko has way less time, but he just doesn't care. Guy loves contact and he's just fearless in there. And that's that's not a characteristic that comes around an awful lot. And I think that's a big reason why he's obviously getting the Big Ben comparisons. But I think it's also a big reason why he's going to be. You know, he's looking, I don't want to overstate this four games in, but he's looking like he could be a, you know, a top NFL pick someday. So I think we'll live with that for now. Obviously, we'd love to improve it. We'd love to cut down on the sacks. And, you know, we're certainly concerned that he's going to take a big hit and not not bounce back up like he keeps doing. But it's just, it is what it is at this point. And we'll, we'll take the bad if it comes with the really, really, really good that seems to, you know, seems to happen a few times a game. Yeah, no, I agree. And the other thing I do want to note on, on, on Jurgo is I, I do think despite a collapsing pocket, which is something that needs to get straightened out. This line just needs to figure it out. And we know how talented they are. We say this every week. They will figure it out. I, I do have a lot of confidence in that. But despite a collapsing pocket, he does still have a really good pocket presence. And you'll see this if you watch him, like especially on his blind side. He's really good. And, and I know the fumble is a, obviously a, a terrible example of that. But historically, he's really good at stepping up when he feels the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll take three steps, he'll feel a guy coming, and he steps up, and he buys himself another you know, three seconds to find someone open, um, which is, I, I would imagine, as someone who's never played quarterback, a very, very, very difficult skill. It's obviously a loud you know, game down there. You don't exactly hear a guy running up behind you necessarily, but he has that. Again, he's got a lot of intangibles. Even you know, to, to get in on the you know, goal line sneak on, on fourth down, it, it's, it takes a lot of heart, I think, to do a lot of the stuff that he's done. It takes some of the hits he's he's done and gotten back up. So, you know, we were obviously excited about him coming into the year. But at least for me, he's completely exceeded even my expectations. And we're only, you know, four games in. And he's got, what, another three years here. So um, couldn't be more more excited about what we have with him so far. Right. And it's specific to the O-line, too. You know, we're going to put that again in the, in the half-empty category, right? But I do think we have to level set and, and understand Pitt's game plan. 
I mean, they kept th- those linebackers and those safeties continue to creep up. And they were in that box all day. And it's also, by the way, one of the best defensive lines that we're going to go against all Ex- year, too. Exactly right. And, and these guys said, you know what? I, I, we, we, we like our secondary. We think we can take these guys one-on-one downfield. It turned out they couldn't because they severely underestimated what Zay Flowers could do uh, when you get him downfield one-on-one. But the big reason that we couldn't get much going either in the run game or really defend that well in the passing game is because these guys sold out. And it's going to be interesting, and we'll get into Virginia Tech, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do because now, now it's on film. You can't leave Zay Flowers. you got to drop guys back into coverage. And to date, we haven't proved that we have a running game. And uh, I think that's something that if we do figure it out, if they do. The other thing too, Matt, is, and I'm not you know, a huge X and, X's and O's guy, but we played a lot of 12 personnel last year with two tight ends on the field. We now have one tight end, but he's really a receiver and he's you know going up for passes. We have a couple of backup tight ends that that you know get in there. They're not great blockers. You know, we had Jake Burt, who's now a New England Patriot. We had Cora Badrizi in there. You know, they were helping out quite a bit, so that when defenders did stack eight in the box, they could help out. And you know, I think it's just a different philosophy under Signetti, and I think we need to start to understand that. I think the O line's getting a lot of hate. And, you know, I know we, we've been sort of leading the charge a little bit because we think it's maybe just as simple as a ship back to man uh, man blocking. And I don't know if that's the case. I'm, I'm sure there's more intricacies, intricacies than that. But, you know, we do have to understand that we, we're going to take whatever the defense gives us. And if that's Zay wide open downfield, then we're going to go with that. Yeah, I think that's actually a really fair point that probably doesn't get talked enough about it is, you know, the, the Adazio style, which was obviously a very, frankly, boring offensive style. But in and of itself, it brings a lot of guys in that are that are you know there to block. Um, so mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot more bodies in the field. Matt, I've got a couple other half full, half empties here. I'm just going to yep. run through these ones these ones quicker. Um, so half full, the jersey matchup was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I like our, I love our white throwbacks. Those are yeah. my favorite jerseys I've ever seen. I like them more than the maroons. I like them more than than anything else we've ever worn. Absolutely spectacular. And the pit ones are phenomenal. So those two Pitts, on each other were excellent. I hate to say pit might have the best jerseys. Pits those are throwbacks sick. are just disgusting. Absolutely I mean, in, in a, sick. In a good way for our older listeners. That's a good yeah, way. Exactly. Like, those are sick. Um, the half empty here, Matt, and this yeah. is just a minor thing. Uh, that game and like all of it would have looked so much cooler if at midfield we had our throwback logo. The the italicized 90s BC lo- or early 2000s BC logo just didn't really fit with the aesthetic. So that's a minor one. A uh, couple others from the broadcast itself, half empty. The guy who is running the yellow line needs to be fired mm-hmm. and needs to be fired tomorrow. On the fourth down that they converted, pick converted in overtime, according to the yellow line, he was short by like, Two, two yards. Like, it was not mm-hmm. even close. If you remember, Matt, when that uh, happened and we saw him get tackled, we were running around the house like we were going insane because we said, yeah. all right, this game's over. Great. Uh, come to, and hey, it's first down on the three-yard line. What just happened there? So that yeah. was a disaster. And I hate to do this, but Mark Herzlick is not a guy I want calling BC games anymore. Matt, he had, he had cancer. I, I, I love him. I love his story. I love what he did for Boston College. But he is a terrible... And, and I think a part of it is he's probably trying to not be a homer, which is a hard thing to do. Like if you and I were to call this game for ESPN, it would be a disaster because we would just exclusively <laughs> talk about how I mean, it would be like it would be incredible, but it would be like Jack Edwards. And you can't really do that on ESPN. So I understand that he's trying to uh, call it fair. 
Uh, but he was very tough to listen to. It seemed like he was openly rooting for, for Pitt, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is unfortunate. So um, a lot of just missteps there. Did not enjoy him at all, and, and and you know wish him obviously the best in his broadcasting career, and mm-hmm. and hopes he you know comes the next you know Howard Cosell, just not on BC games. That's kind of all I'm asking for. Um, and then lastly, Matt, on the broadcast note, the ACC Network stream literally cut out for us um, as Jerko was dropping back, and it came to when Zay Flowers was in the end zone six mm-hmm. seconds into the into the third quarter. So really, again, normal. Normally we're in a market that has that on cable, but really feel for all of our all of our Boston listeners who are mm-hmm. stuck with with streaming the ACC network because there's just a lot of headaches with with things when they come over the air versus uh, versus coming over cable. So again, I know we have a lot of games on the ACC network, so something to to keep an eye on there. Matt, that's about all I had. One more related half empty that the the ball boys on the Kessman 58 yard field goal. Yep. Did you see the replay of that? I yeah. forget if we noticed it in real time. No, I noticed it, but I mean they're but, pick guys. Okay, but why are the pick guys? First of all, that's not how that works. I don't. Yes, think. it is. Is it? Yeah, kick, especially kicking, because they got. Are you like, kidding me? You remember you all this from the? Let me just. You remember all this from the? Yeah, go ahead. If if you guys saw the 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 view from the you know kicker's perspective, right into the end zone, you have Matt and I our cutouts in the background, but right in front of that. You have the ball boy that's going absolutely bonkers when Kespin hits the 58-yarder. I don't care how – I meant to send Jason Baum an email about this. How do you let that clown show happen in our house? I mean, that's completely unacceptable. That's, I think that's, you don't that's bring not on ball Bob. boys. It's not in yes, COVID you do. times. Yes, you COVID do. COVID times, man. Yes. Well, then even better, they they need to be using pit balls. They can't be using BC balls. That is that – is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to knock you on that. But I am going to turn that into a half full. Uh, we tweeted about it earlier in the season before we even knew where we were sitting that – our dumb faces and our, you know, you're wearing the helmet, I'm wearing the crop top was going to be enough at some point to throw a kicker off, off mm-hmm. their game. And sure enough, four games in, we win the game. I don't want to say we, cause I really don't want to give all of us, you know, us all the credit, mm-hmm. but us standing literally right behind the uprights and this guy shanks an extra point. You just have to think that that might've creeped in a little bit. So half full on, on that side of things. Anything totally else you, you have from from uh, glass, either half full or half empty yeah, side of things? Matt, we skipped over my, probably the biggest half fall. Yeah. Um, but you have to give a shout out to this secondary and really the defense as a whole. But what this secondary did on Saturday was nothing short of incredible. Um, and we're, we're banged up back there. We got Deion Jones out. We had uh, Mike Palmer went out, uh, I think, in the second quarter there. We, we had a bunch of guys that, that were, you know, that were banged up. And for these guys, you know, it's really led by the cornerbacks and Brandon Sebastian and Josh DeBerry. I mean, these guys have turned into absolutely elite players. Sebastian had six PBUs in this in one game, which has to be a record. Um, DeBerry was all over the all over the field making huge plays. And and Pitt, I know they're not known as as an offensive powerhouse, but Pickett was what the second leading passer in the yeah. country. Something. Yeah, great, he was. He, he was scary. He was scary. And he he went into Eric Dungy mode. Like he Pickett was playing really really well. They have you know weapons at wide receiver, and they have a solid line. And that's you know a, a fine offense. And, you know, I'm really proud of what those guys did. And, and they were the reason that we won the game. You know, DeBerry, we talked about that pick. I mean, that's that's just, that has Jeff Halfley written all over it. The way that he jumped the route and sort of finished off the route for the receiver and, and wound up in the exact right spot. I mean, you know that, that coach, you know, pretty much laid that out in, in film. And, yeah. um, you know, the fact that these guys are executing such a high level, that really bodes well. And, you know, we saw last year what happens when, you know, you can be exposed, especially on that on, on the back four. And the fact that these guys are playing at such an elite level just a year later, 
it really speaks volumes to, to what Half's done. So I, I do want to give those those guys a shout out. Those were the MVP of the game, uh, specifically Sebastian, which he was especially in that he's fourth so good. Quarter, was, oh, he's so good. Was elite. Yep. Love to see that out of Central Connecticut guys. That's uh, mm-hmm. again, we're just athletes. We just we 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 are just raised as athletes in that part of the mm-hmm. country. Um, yeah. So really glad he's kind of continuing and, on my my legacy. And you saw what Mark Whipple, who is a UMass guy, right? You Amazing saw he, that he is that he yeah. is still kicking around. By the way, but he had to adjust the, the entire game plan because even though we were it was one on one, you know, for the most part downfield, he he couldn't get anything going. So the plays they did hit on were either design runs for Pickett. Or these gimmicky, you know, screen passes. They they had to adjust their entire game plan because nothing was available, you know, downfield. So I think that's huge, and we're going to need it because we're about to play some elite receivers the next uh, three or four weeks here. So um, you know, love to see that, and they're only going to get better as the the Halfley effect continues to take shape. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, do you want to pivot now into dude of the week? What are you looking for here? Yeah, let's do that. And you already hit on mine, uh, Max Richardson, Sax Richardson. Sorry. Yep. Uh, between him and McDuffie, who I think it is every week. But again, that sack at the end of the fourth, that should have been like a memorialized play that, that you know, we remember forever. I was shocked when they even tried it out, uh, the kicker. I was like, at this point, you have to, you know, throw it, right? You got to mm-hmm. throw it 30 yards? Yep. Yeah, 100%. Um, we'll, we'll definitely need those guys to, to step Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Up again. You know, obviously we're, we're going to face Khalil Herbert, who ran all over us last year, and Virginia Tech's offense has been pretty good to date. So um, those two linebackers in the middle of the field absolutely have to step up. So I have the obvious pick for my dude of the week. You got to go with Zay. 
this guy is just an absolute monster week in and week out. And we have not had, and you know, I know we've had some great offensive players come in. We have not had nearly as explosive as a player as Zay Flowers in a very, very, very long time, frankly, if ever. Um, added another 162 yards and three touchdowns to his total uh, on Saturday. This guy is borderline uncoverable. And while I'm sure we've had great athletes who can get open in the past, maybe it's just the fact that we now have a, have a you know quarterback who can reliably hit them, and that's certainly not shade at, at anyone who's, who's come before him. Uh, but the, the combination of Jerko and Zay is, is absolutely unreal. Zay was nominated for the you know National Best Wide Receiver Award, which Bolitnikov. I don't think we've had anyone. The, that's a hard one to say, so I was going to yeah. defer to you on that. Um, <laughs> we haven't had anyone even you know sniff that in, in forever. So this guy is is an absolute absolute joy to watch and. I tell you what, it's just it's fun to have an offense that is that is at least has the ability to be high powered. And again, you know, we can now storm back in any game that we that we might fall behind in because of threats you know, like Zay Flowers. No, no question. Agree 100 um, percent. And he's on track. And I just had to correct the ACC network that's putting out some correct. fraudulent statistics. Yep. Um, but he has he's averaging over 100 yards receiving per game. So if you normalize that in a 12 game season, he'd have over 1200, which would be a Boston College record. I think Amadon is in the 1200 range, but that would be uh, he'd be in the mix if we had a full season. He might do it anyway, but you know, storyline to watch. Yeah, as a math guy, I can definitely confirm that. I think that segues into your Eagles in the Wild, does it not? Yeah, it sure does, Matt. Um, Zay Flowers, the reason for his production, um, it came out this past week that he's been working out with Antonio Brown and Geno Smith. Which get this, Matt? I have a Geno Smith joke um, that explains Zay's jaw-dropping numbers thus far. Oh, I see. Shout out to any Jets fans that are listening. Yeah. That's a joke about when Geno Smith got punched in the jaw and broke his jaw. Yeah, that's that's so, that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, Matt, thanks. So for my Eagles in the Wild, I'm going off of the football field and really out of the athletics arena entirely. Okay. Uh, everyone knows I'm a big math guy. I feel like this deserves to get more shine. I know this story broke like six months ago, but it's been back in the news of late. Uh, Lisa Piccarillo, BC math major class of 2013, mm-hmm. solved the Conway knot problem, which is like a decades old unsolvable math problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here comes Lisa seven years out of college and just solves it in everyone's <laughs> face. Uh, that's just big time. And that's just what Boston College math majors do. You know, some of us seem to be applying their their what they've learned in the math arena a little bit more than, than others. Uh, but I think there were literally like less than eight Bachelor of Science graduates of math in the class of 2013. I was one. Lisa was one. So clearly um, that's a track for success. I'll just say that much. So mm-hmm. absolutely love to see that. The BC math department doesn't get enough shine, uh, but shout out to all my all my guys in there. Uh, try to think who I, I'm not even going to try to name professors. Yeah, you did go to class a lot, Matt. Rennie Marolo. Uh, hey, who I else had did him. I have? I had Rennie, yeah, he, yeah. So I, he I, ate, he's the he only one that lunch. comes to mind. <laughs> Remy, Ren, is it Rennie? Rennie absolutely Rennie. ate my lunch for Calc. Yeah. I can't think of any other one else names off the top of my head. Rennie Marolo is like more of a unique name. Um, yeah. But overall, again, just love to see the math department doing doing great things. So Let me shout ask out you this, Lisa. Matt. Excellent Let stuff. Let me ask you this. I, and I'm a big Go Will Hunting guy. You know that. And, yep. you know, it, the whole nine, right? What does that, solving the Conway knot, what does that do for society? Like, how does that advance us forward? What happens next? Can we apply that to any type of science? Is that really yeah. a cure for COVID? Or does it yep. matter whatsoever? At yeah, all? well, again, to quote the show Num3RS with David Krumholtz, uh, we all use math every day. So these math things that we solve, you know, will we'll have far-reaching implications that, that you or I, frankly, can't even comprehend. So uh, this so absolutely like, is going to move things yeah. forward. Um, and, and you know what? It is just like goodwill hunting, honestly. Yeah. So you love to see it. I, I feel like you didn't answer the question. Nope. Um, 
Great. All right. So I have one more Eagles in the wild here. Uh, Jared Dudley recently went on the Bill Simmons podcast. And if you guys know anything about the fourth and dude perspective on the hoops program, it is that we needed a change yesterday, yesterday being four years ago. Um, Dudley basically went on the show and and he had a great quote about coming back to BC. He said, I'm going to do the NBA thing. He's going to be a coach GM. And then quote, I'm going to go back to BC, going to clean all that up. Need to have my donors need to get those facilities. That's big. So it's on the radar and it goes without saying that, um, you know, if we had Dudley stroll on the sidelines, uh, we would be in a much better shape and we'd be probably making tournaments every year. And that's all we want. So, Shout out to Jay Duds for winning the championship, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, that would be that would be such a welcome sight to get Dudley on the on the sidelines or in at least some mm-hmm. advisory role at Boston College. The guy is just an excellent excellent basketball mind, and really happy for him that he finally got his uh, his name on the Larry O'Brien. I know they don't actually put their name on it like the Stanley Cup, but I feel like the mm-hmm. the idea follows. Matt, are you ready to head into the courtroom here? I'll I'll tell you what, Matt. It's been a while since we've been into the courtroom. We've had a lot of you know, sort of business to take care of. And I'm excited to get back in. Um, Matt, let's let's do it. Halfley's Corpus is now in session. Matt, before we get into the courtroom, a quick word again from our sponsors. So just to remind everyone about Bet Online and all of the great sign-up bonuses and bets that they offer. NFL is in full swing. College football is in full swing. MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on all of the action at Bet Online. They're going the extra mile to make sure you have every bet available to you, spreads, totals, team, player, coaching, props. They give you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And Matt, they are back again. Our friends at Manscaped here to sponsor this week's Halfleyus Corpus. Big news in the Manscaped world, Matt. Mm-hmm. They have released a new Manscaped product. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's Mm -hmm. time to keep your ear and nose looking as nice as your fellas down low. They are changing the grooming game forever with this Weed Whacker. This nose and ear trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which we all love, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. That sounds like an airplane engine. This is, this is awesome. It's intelligently contoured design, enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minute of use. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? That might hurt more than anything other Manscaped accidents you could possibly have. So Manscaped is here to make whacking your weeds a time to look forward to and deliver you maximum confidence. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with Weed Whacker. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com use the code armchair what are you waiting for go whack your weeds Matt I can't think of a better segue let's get into the courtroom So we are approximately four games into everyone's season, and the ACC contenders versus pretenders are starting to take shape. You're down to three teams that are undefeated in conference, and it is the usual suspects. It is Clemson, UNC, and Notre Dame. 
We'll call that tier one for now, Matt, right? There's not much of an argument to be made. Clemson's obviously going to win. They're going to go undefeated more than likely, except for us. And then UNC and Notre Dame are probably just a tier below that. I think we could say that all those guys, as of now, are contenders. Is that fair? Yeah, I think overall that's fair. I, I hate Notre Dame so much, and I, I really can't wait till we play them. But but yeah, to be fair, they've absolutely looked, looked very good so far. So then you have the next tier with uh, one-loss teams. You have Boston College, you have Miami, you have Virginia Tech, you have NC State, and you have Georgia Tech which I don't think a lot of us saw coming. So I'll get into a little of my analysis here, Matt. I don't know if you saw the game against uh, for Miami versus Clemson, um, but it was pretty much over by the third quarter, right? right? And it's funny. Miami, they had a couple of, of wins over Florida State and Louisville early on, um, back when Louisville was ranked, and everyone sort of jumped on the bandwagon. And, um, you know, to me, obviously they have that quarterback, but it's still that same program from last year. And, you know, I just I don't trust that defense. I don't think the defense is nearly as good as everyone you know makes it out to be. And I think outside of the quarterback, who's very dynamic, um, they got a lot of holes to plug. So you know, I see them as not necessarily frauds, but you know, they don't scare me a lot. If we were to go head to head with them, um, you know, I'd give us a chance. So you know, I think they're in that tier, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens the next few uh, next few games. Yeah, man, I think that's a really fair fair tort uh, that you bring up there, yeah. and, and I just I feel like in general, really out of those one loss teams, I personally just see it as us and, and Virginia Tech, and, and obviously we'll we'll see how that looks on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you, Georgia Tech, who we do play in a couple weeks, doesn't really scare me. Miami, who we'll probably never get to play this year, uh, I I see it's very unlikely that we both make yeah. it to the ACC championship at this point. They don't really scare me, and then NC State goes without saying that that I could not be less afraid of a team uh, than I am of the NC State Wolfpack. You can you can write that one down. But, you know, Virginia Tech, look, I, and I don't want to, we're obviously going to get more into it in a minute. I still don't really know what to make of them. Um, I don't want to spoil all of our all of our preview talk. But Matt, Matt get this. Matt, get this. Yep. You want to talk about the defense resting? Virginia Tech's defense rested a lot against yeah. UNC last week. Yep, that's a really good point, Matt. And But, you know, at the bottom line, and, and to bring it back to UNC as well, all of these things can't be true, right? UNC can't be a top five team. And and Virginia Tech's a t- uh, twenty three team, but where you know where whatever it be in the in the you know thirty one range or whatever if you count the the receiving votes, it's mm-hmm. either UNC is is really good and they're a top five team and we hung with them, so we're also you know by definition a, a good team, or you know we're we're a middle of the pack you know thirty ish ranked team and UNC should be nowhere near the top five. And then on the other side, UNC massacred Virginia Tech last week. And I know the final score was only like 10 points, but that game was never close. Yep. And they're still ranked. Uh, it was a, a five-point game at one point, but agree okay. with us. But it never – but it, it, again, it, the, these three teams don't really make sense the way that they're all they're all laid out right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I would call any of them necessarily frauds, but – I have a someone is fraudulent in the in the voter process, and I don't know what we want to bring, you know, charge wise against them, but um, it feels it feels very very dirty to me. Yeah, I just I don't put a lot. Of, you're talking AP Paul, right? As far as ranked, I, I just yeah. don't, I put no stock into that whatsoever at this point, only because we don't have the full population of teams, and we're still going based off preseason ranking. So I, I don't even worry about that. I, I you know the standings I think sort of landed where I thought they would, with the exception of Georgia Tech, who I do think are frauds. And it's too bad because I actually like Jeff Collins a lot. Um, but they – I didn't know this until I looked this up. They lost to Syracuse by 17. That's that's a, a clear fraudulent statistic. They're, you, t- you want to talk Sarbanes-Halfley? I mean, Georgia Tech is, are, are frauds. Um, they have Clemson this coming week and then us. So um, I expect them to drop out of the discussion. If they're even in the discussion, um, I expect them not to be there at the end. I also want to talk about NC State because NC State kind of worries me, not because I think they're good but because they escaped with that win over uh, Pitt the other weekend, 
Um, they, they escaped with a win over Wake uh, a few weeks ago. And here's the deal with them. They play absolutely nobody. They must know someone in the, in the ACC uh, commissioner's office because they have the easiest possible schedule. They miss Clemson. They miss Notre Dame. They miss us. All they have to do is beat one of UNC and Miami, and they pretty much lock up a, a two-loss season. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't think NC State's good, but I do think they have a pretty good shot of being there at the end only because their schedule's so weak. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, anything else you want to touch on in the ACC, or, or you know, should we uh, go around the country quickly and then and then get to Virginia Tech? Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about the rest of the. I ACC. agree. I, I think mean, that, I think that there's no sense of talking about. It's, it's mostly what we expected out of you know the likes of Q's and Wake and Duke. I guess Louisville is obviously a huge surprise. I mean, they just the defense is just so bad mm-hmm. um, that they got smoked by Georgia Tech. And then Florida State, both of those, you know, both Louisville and Florida State are sitting 0-3 um, in conference, which I didn't see coming for Louisville. You know, I saw that Florida State was overhyped. I think we both saw that coming, but not to this degree. I mean, they look terrible. So, um, of course, we missed Florida State this this year, and what would have been uh, an automatic kills win. Me. just kills me, yeah. They're, they're cruising for a bruising next year when we play them. Hopefully COVID's back to normal. And Although, here's the other thing, too, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I do love this no division thing. I mean, the fact that we're looking at the ACC as a whole and saying, all right, all we got to do is finish in second place as opposed to, hey, we got to beat Clemson and then go undefeated. Like, that's not fun. I'm not having fun in the Atlantic anymore. Let's get rid of the divisions and let's play for second until Clemson comes back down to earth. Well, we'll still play for first, but yes, I agree. More recently, we can play for top two. I agree. Um, Matt, the only other thing I want to do in the courtroom is I want to charge the entire Southeastern Conference with uh, reckless and wanton behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, we know that's the part of the country that has been taking COVID the least seriously and the chickens, Matt, have come home to roost. Mm-hmm. So Nick Saban, who is, by the way, taking it very seriously, he was a big proponent of masks, which is hard to do in Alabama, uh, has finally contracted the virus. So thoughts and prayers to him. Hopefully he recovers quickly. And it is interesting to see what a coach not being on the sideline does to the line. They're, they were, I think they're, the game's still on, but they're playing Georgia this weekend. And I think it immediately shifted like three points once they said Saban's not going to be in the building. And then still in that conference, Dan Mullen down at Florida, you know, was was complaining in his press conference about how he wants to see the swap full, even though, by the way, they watch those games. They look very full, despite whatever numbers they're they're throwing at us. Mm-hmm. He was saying we need 90,000 people. We need a loud environment. And like, boom, the next day, like the entire team has COVID and their game against LSU is canceled. So, you know, it is a little bit of a reap, reap what you sow here. And, and, and you really just wish that I think they took this to the same level that teams like BC, Virginia, you know, even Notre Dame, despite their their flare-ups, have, have taken this. And I think we'd have a much, you know, cleaner college football season. You know, you're seeing it in the NFL right now. There's just so much uncertainty, and you kind of just need everyone rowing the boat the same direction. And, and when you get, you know, some marquee programs and some marquee areas uh, kind of going against that, it really throws the rest of the season in, in jeopardy. So um, I, I, I want to charge them with a lot of different things, but I feel like reckless behavior, is that a crime? Um, but I want to charge them with that. Yeah, it feels that feels like a, a real a real tort there, Matt. Good tort. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, with Saban in particular, it's sort of like Belichick, where he controls everything, and no one sneezes on that sideline unless Saban says it's you know it's okay to do so. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's obviously going to have a massive effect, and you know even with Virginia Tech, we've seen it. It's affected their team. I think Fuente tested positive at one point. So yeah, they've like all had it. I think literally, I think they've. I think at worst they had like twenty guys sitting out um, right. because of it, and and maybe some positive tests, but also then some kind of contract tracing. But I think right. for now, they're relatively back to healthy. They're get, Yeah, more so than they, they have been. But I, I think the takeaway here is, again, and I'm sure Jay Baum will tweet it out tomorrow, We not to jinx it, but 
you know, another thousand tests and, you know, no, no more positives from BC. So it continues to be a testament how good of a job BC is doing, um, you know, especially in light of what we're seeing down south and otherwise. So hopefully the boys keep up the good work and, uh, you know, stay healthy and, you know, go from there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this was a really productive courtroom segment here. I, th- I think mm-hmm. we, I think we got a lot of uh, legal briefs kind of off of our desk that have been kind of piling up over the last couple of weeks. So, so good Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, court is adjourned. And Matt, let's talk Virginia Tech. We got about 15 minutes of show left. I'll let you kick it off. Kind of what are your what are your high level thoughts? I've got some uh, I've got some feedback on the weather and, and other ideas on that side of it. But I'll, I'll let you, you kind of give thoughts. A quick or just, is it just weather thoughts? Uh, I've got a couple hokey thoughts, Okay, but I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you kick things off. Okay. That sounds good. Um, all right. So Virginia Tech comes in as the 23rd ranked team in the country. They have a record of two and one, uh, with wins over NC state and Duke before they got absolutely demolished by UNC last weekend. If you believe in the transitive property, like we do on this show, um, they beat Duke by seven, whereas we beat Duke by 20 and then they lost to UNC by 11 while we only lost by four. I don't know what that means, Matt, but it's it's certainly a data point that we need to consider. Obviously, we've beaten them each of the last two years. We had a nice streak going, including 2018. That was the game that resulted in us getting game day versus Clemson. Um, and then in the opener, we had a big win last year as well. Since that time, speaking of the opener, both teams have become sort of the direct opposite uh, of the matchup we saw last year. Obviously, our team, as everyone knows, has done a complete 180 when you talk about uh, the defense, and now we have a passing game plus the lack of run game, um, you know, we're a completely different unit. But it's different for Virginia Tech as well. As their, their offense to date has been predicated on running the football. They're averaging 300 rush yards per game, which is top three in the country, only behind the academies, Air Force, and Army. So, you know, that's that's a big change for what we've seen. Obviously, I think it was Ryan Willis last year was the quarterback that was really sl- slinging it ar- around, and they got nothing going on the ground. Um in this run game, it's it's largely due the, to the offensive line they built. That is extremely solid. They have a left tackle that we'll talk about in a second. They got a couple of key transfers, one being Khalil Herbert, who is equivalent to Diamond Ferry um, around these parts. BC fans remember him from last year. Uh, he transferred from Kansas, where he put up 187 yards on just 11 carries um, and ruined. It was one of the worst Friday nights uh, of my lifetime. What a disaster. Um, he's been tearing it up so far this year. He has 449 yards and five touchdowns through three games, averaging a ridiculous 10.4 yards per carry. And this is a little premature, but he's getting Heisman hype uh, at this point. So, I mean, is it? I, mean, I, 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 don't, I don't even know that that's that premature. The guy is literally a video game. And, and mm-hmm. I, I know maybe on the, on the yardage side, it's because a lot of other teams haven't played. But when we heard that he transferred from Kansas to Virginia Tech, that was like terrible news because this yep. is now all of a sudden like, all right, fine. This guy torched us last year. He ruined Matt's Friday night. I mean, ruined everyone's Friday night, but you actually made the trip up there, which made your Friday night even worse. But I was hey, having we- a great day up to that point. I, I you remember, Matt, I, I drove up Thursday night. I, I got a bunch of koozies from you. I made a pit stop in New York. Yep. I think I played golf that morning, had a great tailgate, hung out with Martin Jarmond. Everything was great. It was a beautiful day. And then the game happened. And yeah. then I remember just, you know, walking to the sail loft at till 3 a.m. and just drowning my sorrows. What a, what an awful night that By the was. Way, but anyway. Non, yeah. non sequitur. Best uh, clam chowder in Boston at the sail loft. Yeah, um, underrated. Agreed. Really, really, really good. Uh, but yeah, we, I thought he was out of our life forever, Khalil Herbert. And then, of course, he's like, no, I'm going to be a Hokie. And now we have to play him, you know, every year. Um, I don't know how old he is or how many more years he has. Is he a grad transfer? I don't know how it works anymore. It's tough to keep Likewise. up. I, I hope so, man. Yeah, but but I'll, I'll just say this is a game that I am I am very worried about. Because the way our defense has looked so far this year, I think we've been you know very strong 
in the air. But the run defense is a little bit less tested. And the other thing I'll say is that we've clearly been a kind of a bend but dope break. We've, we've given up a lot of plays, but we've made turnovers when they matter or we've gotten that big third down stop. That bend but dope break style is a lot harder against a team that can, that can dominate on the ground. Uh, because they can pick up three, four yards at will. It's a lot harder to get them off the field when they're in a third and two and they can, you know, they know they can run for three yards versus, oh, you had two incompletions because, you know, two great pass breakups and now it's third and 10 and they got to, you know, repeat that. So I, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit concerned about our defense's ability to, you know, stack the run game this year, mm-hmm. especially with the offensive line. So ignore just how good Herbert is. They have an excellent offensive line that I, I know you want to touch on. So, from a defensive side of the football, this is, I think, by far the biggest challenge for the for this defense. Certainly not the secondary, but for this defense that that we're going to see as a whole this year, and and that leaves me a little bit worried uh, going into Saturday. Yeah, no question. And as if one uh, transfer that killed us last year isn't enough, they also have Raheem Blackshear, yep. who you might remember when we went down to uh, to Rutgers and Piscataway, Matt. Uh, he had he racked up 130 yards receiving out of the backfield, so he also transferred to Virginia Tech. So, it's almost like uh, it's almost like Fuente style was like we lost back to back years to Boston College. Yep, like that's unacceptable. Yep. Let's get all the people who are their boogeymen who have massacred <laughs> them over the last couple of years and, and put them on our roster. So it's an interesting strategy. Obviously, I don't know. You know, we don't know how it's going to turn out just yet, but uh, at least he's thinking outside of the box, which I guess is a good thing. Definitely. Um, and then in addition to the running backs, they also have uh, two quarterbacks they've used so far, both of whom are big running threats. It sounds like Head and Hooker's getting the nod. He averages somewhere in the ballpark at 10 carries, around 50 yards per game, at least last year. Um, his first game this season was uh, midway through last week. Fuente's kind of been screwing around with the quarterback situation. They started Braxton Burmeester, who's like a Tyler Murphy type, who just can't throw the ball and just is, is pretty much just... He seems to only be a, a run option guy, which seems easy to defend, but what do I know? Um, but Hooker's just been really good. So if Fuente just plays him, it seems like that will do the trick. But like you said, I mean... Hooker can do some damage through the air, and, and I remember watching the game last year, Vatek versus Virginia, which was basically like the de facto coastal championship, and Hooker was hanging in there with uh, Bryce Perkins, and they, they kind of had a shootout back and forth. So, you know, he can, he can get it going in the air and with his legs, so, you know, that's that's a guy to, to, to worry about. Obviously, Pickett scrambled away a few times and extended drives, and, you know, Howell did the same. So, you know, to me, it comes down to, you know, do we trust our secondary? And I think we do. But what I really think we have to do is, is you know, stack the box against these guys and, you know, trust the DBs to make plays. And, you know, we don't want what happened against Kansas last year to happen with Herbert. We just can't we can't let that happen. Fortunately, I think we trust Halfley with the tape. And I did well, I did like what, what we did following the UNC game. Obviously, those guys got loose on some outside uh, outside outside zone runs. But it seems like we locked down against that, against Pitt. I can think of a couple of situations where uh, Valdez and Bern- Brandon Barlow, who, by the way, deserves a shout-out. He played awesome last week. Uh, but those DNs did a great job containing the outside. So if those guys can do that, we get Boozy in the middle and then the linebackers everywhere else, I think we can handle it. Um, but it's really going to, you know, we're really going to ask a lot of the D-backs to, to kind of go go at it alone, one-on-one, and take care of business. So. To me, that's the key to the game. It's it's their very potent offense against what we think is an electric defense. But uh, this is just as much of a test, if not more so, than uh, than UNC. Yeah, I I agree. And, and again, like I said, I'm I'm very interested to see what half puts together for a game plan because I think that this is a massive challenge. They can they can beat us from a lot of different ways. Um, Matt, a couple of notes I want to throw in. So first of all, you want to talk about football weather. It is going to be as of right now 46 degrees Fahrenheit 
in Blacksburg at 8 p.m. and getting cooler as the night goes on. I mean, that is like picture perfect fall football weather. This is, I think, the one time we would have been there. We would have. So we, we that was probably our game, this, right? Yeah. We had talked about going down to Blacksburg. We always do one road trip, at least one road trip per season. And I've never been to Blacksburg. Always wanted to go, and it seemed like that was the logical choice this year. And it's a shame that we're not going to be there. Yeah, uh, it absolutely is. But I'll say this is the one time I think so far this year that that we're actually lucking out or, or, or gaining a benefit from there being no fans due to COVID. They're not doing fans, right? They're doing a thousand fans. It's just okay. like family members. Like, yeah. All right. So that's not enough to really make a difference because I would argue that a Saturday night in Blacksburg, especially when you know there's a buzz about Vatek, they're ranked. So I think there's there's a buzz that automatically comes with that. Is one of the most intimidating places to play in, in college football when they do enter Sandman. Um, obviously, it didn't stop you know Matt Ryan and the boys, but in general, that's an impossible place to play. So I think it's huge that this team doesn't have to go up against you know a, a packed Lane Stadium. And again, like I said, I think this is really the, the the first time that we've benefited from that because if we had fans and alumni for the for the three games that that we had that all really came down to the wire, I mean that would be like that building would have been absolutely rocking. You know, who knows if it's enough to put us over the uh, hump against UNC, things like that. But um, really, really, I think we dodged a, a major bullet there. And then Matt, I do want to talk about the line. So it opened at ten and a half uh, plus ten and a half for BC, and I think it's around twelve and a half now. I don't understand what is happening in the betting markets and and why we continue to be slept on. We were six-point dogs against Duke. We obviously ran away with that. Uh, we were six-point dogs again against Pitt. Came out, you know, not comfortably on top, but we were kind of – we were the better team, I think. I think the better team won. And then we were, you know, even even larger underdogs to, to UNC and still managed to cover there as well. So I don't understand why the national perspective is still so down on BC when it comes to gambling. And I don't know how much money – uh, this team needs to continue to to make me, but I think it's going to you know basically pay my twenty forty tuition bills uh, to uh, to Boston College. Yeah, I know you're exactly right. And, and as a betting man, you know obviously the what I really like, and, and I think the spread is enough that we will cover. I think there's no question these guys are resilient; and they're going to fight back no matter what the potential deficit is. So I do think we'll cover. But what I can't get, what I can't stay away from is the money line. Yeah, it's plus three thirty right now, and I know me, you know, us and our crew already took advantage of it when it opened. We were like, "Holy crap, this is free money!" Yeah, we thought for um, sure it would go down. Yeah, we did, we did, and it didn't. Um, so maybe I'm not done throwing throwing money on the <laughs> on the line there. Um, but for those that don't know what plus three thirty means, it's you bet a hundred dollars, you win three thirty. I mean, it's you, it's, you, if you, you net you net three thirty. Yeah, That's important. You to net three thirty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all we have to do is beat an overrated Virginia Tech team. Like it's 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 like when the lottery gets to a certain point, when it gets when the Powerball gets to you know fifty million, and it's like it's actually a bad investment not to go in on it. It's it's yep. almost that's where we're at with this money line. You almost have to. It's it's risk reward here, and um, I think it's a no brainer. The 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 fourth and dude coalition has has I will say seven several hundred dollars on the BC money line. So mm-hmm. uh, there could be a new order of koozies that could be. Uh, in effect, should we you know be able to pull off this win on Saturday? No question. Hey, Matt, we didn't touch on the defense, and I do want to touch on that because they stink. Yep. And everyone that saw UNC put up almost 60 points on them last year, that's not a surprise. By the way, 60, 60 points pretty effortlessly, right? They pulled the yeah. ones. Like at a, I mean, that, that, they were not on the on the gas for the entire four quarters there. No, no question. Um, so they're allowing 486 yards per game. They allowed 656 yards to UNC last week. And it's interesting. Like, they have a couple good players. Like, they have Rashard Ashby, who um, was preseason All-ACC. He had a billion tackles against us last year. They have Devon Diablo, who 
should be a lot better. His name is like the coolest name ever. He should be a lot better, but he's been a solid corner for them or safety for them uh, throughout throughout the past couple of years. And he's, you know, he's always played well against us as well. Um, I think he was out for COVID and really their, their entire secondary was decimated by COVID. So we'll give him a little bit of an out there. Um, but it just seems like, you know, if, if our running backs can get loose, get to that second level, these guys just suck at tackling and they're never in the right spot. And, you know, watching the highlights against UNC, it was effortless. And it's not just last week. I mean, Duke put up 31 points against them, right? We, we only allowed six to Duke. So um, I, I think they're just, they're resigned to understand they're going to allow some points and they know there's going to be a shootout. And it's just going to be one of those games that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, in my opinion, whoever has the ball last is, is going to have a shot at winning this. It's going to be in the 50s. But um, one other thing to watch out for, they surprisingly do have a good D-line. They're actually fourth in the country in sacks. They average five sacks a game. Um, obviously, that's been a bugaboo for us. They have a couple good DNs that, you know, we have to watch out for that. We have a, a certain left tackle that's playing out of position that, um, you know, guys are racking up sacks against them. So, um, you know, that's something to watch out for. Jericho's going to have to get rid of the football. Um, and be smart with the ball. But, you know, the hope is that these guys sell out for the run. Or, sorry, sell out for the pass, and we get our run game cooking. That's, that, that, to me, is, is the key. And then on the other side of the ball, it's, it's really got to be the Sax Richardson, Isaiah McDuffie, and the line. The front seven's really got to come to play. The whole unit's got to come to play, but that front seven has to stop the run. And, and maybe not even stop the run, just slow down the run, right? They, if they have 200-plus yards rushing, then, then we're probably in trouble. Um, but just, just got to... Make some stops, force some turnovers, and see what happens down in Blacksburg. Yeah, I, I hear you. Do you want to just get right into your prediction? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this is a revenge game for our defense like we talked about. Herbert absolutely embarrassed us last year. Um, and like I said, we, we did make some adjustments after UNC exposed some issues in the run game. So, you know, we should be able to load up the box, trust our D-backs. I like McDuffie and Richardson to get somewhere in the 30 tackle range. Hopefully we hold them under 30. They drop a million guys back in pass coverage. The light bulb finally goes off for our run game. And I got Eagles 35, Hokies 26 in Blacksburg. Wow, that's uh, low scoring for the uh, for the Hokies here. I'm going to I'm going to go higher on on both sides, but I'm with you overall. I, I I just I really like what this team is doing so far and if there's one coach in the country that I trust to come up with a game plan to shut down this this Hokies attack. It is absolutely Jeff Halfley. We're so lucky to have him on the sidelines for this. So I'm with you. I think our offense continues to you know put up excellent numbers through the air. Um, so I'm going to go Eagles 38, Hokies 35 in what is a very uncomfortable Saturday night. We don't have fun at all. Like it's 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 not going to be a fun three hours, but I do think we come out of Blacksburg with a three-game win streak against the Virginia Tech Hokies, which is which is always fun, and I think that we moved to uh, to four and one on the year. And by the way, four and one with a pretty good we're not gonna look ahead, but a pretty good chance to go to five and one with with Georgia Tech the following week. And then you know who's waiting on the other side of that? Clemson. Yep. So this is a huge game. Just Obviously, saying. We, we gotta get this W first, but it could set up yeah, this is really the game of the season as far as I'm concerned. We win this, we get something special. If yeah. not, we still probably do, but uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely, and probably enough to get us ranked, by the way, oh, if no we question. win, which doesn't really matter at this point because we're just trying to get you know wins and, and let America sleep on us. I can live with mm-hmm. that. Um, but thanks again for listening. I think this was, uh, uh, again, we have a really good team on our hands. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the season as much as we are so far. Um, as always, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at 4th and Dude. Matt, not to break some news, but the koozies came in today. They look phenomenal. Hey, Matt. Be on the lookout. 
How do I get? How do I get one of those koozies? Be on the lookout for some ways that we're going to try to get them into the into the hands. Normally, we just take a big bag of them, like a, a big shopping bag, and we just throw them, you know, throw them around at tailgates. Obviously, we don't have that option this year, so we want to make it a little bit more more virtual friendly. So, uh, mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. We'll make sure everyone, you know, everyone uh, has the has the ability to try to get in on the action. Um, keep an eye out for potentially another halfly hour on Saturday morning. I think so far that's been going relatively smoothly. We don't have a lot to talk about, but we can see if we can fire that one up again. I don't know your thoughts I'm, on that. I'm busy. I uh, will make it happen. We'll, 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 we'll try to fly. we'll try to make something happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks again to our sponsors, all of our sponsors: Eagle Insiders, Armchair, Bet Online, Manscaped, the new Weed Whacker. And thanks again for listening, folks. It feels like 1940. Get in, folks.